Bonjour and bienvenue to Lulabelle's Francophiles. Je m'appelle Lou, and in this podcast, I will help you to keep your Frenchy vibes flattering and lose yourself in France without even leaving home. In each episode, we chat about our French experiences with guests who live in Australia, in France, and right around the world, and we share ideas for how to satisfy the Francophile within you. Francophilers can now also subscribe to my YouTube channel, Francophile Fix, where I post little movies and clips to keep us all connected to France. Find the link to the Francophile Fix YouTube channel in the show notes from today's episode, as well as the Little Bells Francophiles website, Instagram, and a fabulous Frenchy Spotify playlist. Alors, aujourd'hui, my guest makes the dreams of many Francophiles come true when they are searching for the perfect wedding in France. Ingrid Colmer Chavez is co-founder of the business The Chateau B, which is a wedding planning service that selects the most stunning and finest French venues for loved-up couples' big day in France. Bienvenue to the Little Bells Francophiles, Ingrid. Ça va? Oui, ça va. Merci. I'm delighted to be here with you today. Thank you very much, Lou. Oh, well, we are delighted to be hearing from you. I have just loved looking through your posts on your socials and also the venues on your website. We will come back and find out more about that in a minute. But firstly, where has your connection to France come from? I can hear an accent there. Well, as you can hear from my accent, I'm definitely French. Yes. <laughs> um, my mother is French and my father is Mexican. Mm-hmm. So I was born in Mexico, but uh, my parents divorced. So we came back to France when I was about two. Mm-hmm. And then we traveled all around France until my 20s. I, I was in France. So I consider myself very much uh, French. <laughs> So you're a you're a citizen of the whole of France, not just one little region. Yes, that's true. So with my mother, when we were in France, we we got the chance, the, the opportunity to move quite a bit, oh. and I think that definitely made me the person I am today. Right. Uh, I do love uh, exploring places I don't know, and I, I'm rather drawn to the unknown, rather to what's familiar. Yes. Well, I know that you got married in France, but we'll go back and explore the time before that just a little bit. How did you meet your husband, James? Mm-hmm. So my husband, James, is a British. He lives in Guernsey, mm-hmm. where we are now. And when I came to Guernsey 12 years ago, I was a French teacher mm-hmm. then in a, in a school. And James was having some French lesson, not with me, but with my boss, Veronique. Uh-huh. And what I didn't know is that my boss, Veronique, would quite regularly interrupt the group lesson uh, with James. And in the middle of the lesson, in front of everyone, she would tell James, oh, we've got this new a French teacher who just came to the island and she's a perfect match for you, James. And James was horrified because, you know, he's British and it's not really style. 
<laughs> uh, the attention gone to him. And obviously, I didn't know either. Otherwise, I, I would have been uh, really mortified. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is this is uh, this is how he got to hear about me. And she was right because when we eventually met, uh, it was a very good match. Yes, obviously. So tell me about your own experience of getting married in France. How did you find the perfect place? First, I have to say we were actually considering getting married in Guernsey because my husband is from Guernsey. But just as a matter of comparison, we looked at what was on offer in Brittany because my mother lives in Brittany. And for us in Guernsey, it's just across the channel, so it's very easy uh, to access Brittany from where we are. Yes. And when we went to France, we were actually completely amazed by the variety of venues we could find in France oh. at incredible prices mm. compared to Guernsey and venues where roughly for the same price, instead of getting a venue for one evening, you would get a bull chateau sleeping a lot of your guests for an entire weekend. Oh. So this is where, you know, we thought there, there's no doubt we need to have our wedding in yes. France. Um, and this is also what prompted us to create a directory of uh, unpicked wedding venue. Ah, well, I was going to ask you about that. So your fabulous business, The Shadow Bee, which, as I said earlier, sources beautiful wedding venues. So it doesn't surprise me that you were able to source your own fabulous venue yourself. Tell me, how did that actually come about? I mean, it's one thing to organise your own wedding. It's a big step then to actually become a directory that has got hundreds of weddings that you support on a regular basis. Yes, I think it all stems very much from our initial research quest of the perfect wedding venues for our own wedding. Mm. And when we came back to Guernsey, a lot of friends told us, oh, my dream was to get married in France, but it was just too uh, too scary, too daunting, because how do I do? I don't speak French. Um, how do I get the confidence to book somewhere which is not mm -hmm. local? Yes. So we thought, why not doing a directory of wedding venues, which are in Brittany, Normandy, and Loire Valleys, which mm -hmm. are uh, areas close to the Channel Island. Yes. And the idea was that we would go there, visit the venues, speak to the owner, make sure they were, you know, of proper standard. Mm. And then if they were good enough, we would put them on a directory for the people uh, from Jersey and Guernsey to consult if they wanted to get married in France. So it started like that. Uh, it turns out that these days we don't have that many clients <laughs> from the Channel Island. No. But initially it was very much a service for uh, for people from Jersey and Guernsey. But now our clientele is, is all over the world, really. Mm -hmm. And we have venues uh, all across France, as you said, and, and more specifically now in south of France because um, this is what most people want when they want to destination uh, wedding in France. Oh, right. Well, I was going to ask you where your couples come from mostly. Do you have local French couples who use your service too or is it mainly overseas clients? Yeah, I would say it's about 90-95% of overseas 
couples. Mm -hmm. That's very much our clientele. And we tend to select also the venues based on what oversee clients want. For mm. instance, if you come from abroad, what you really much look at is accommodation on site. Because obviously, if you bring your whole family and your whole friends, such a long journey, you bring them to France, uh, you want to be able to accommodate some of them at the venue. So the criteria we have uh, to choose our venues are probably slightly different than the ones we would have if we were just choosing venues for local French people. So, yes, okay. <clears throat> yes most of our clientele is indeed uh, over, is from, uh, from uh, abroad. And I suppose people's wish lists are different depending on where they're from and how many people are coming too because if the venue can't sleep everybody that's coming because they've got a lot of guests, then you probably want a venue that's close enough to a village that's big enough that it has other Airbnbs or other hotels or other places for guests to stay. So there's so much that goes into it. With this business, what you are basically doing, though, is matching a gorgeous, loved-up couple with a wedding venue that is going to create amazing lifetime memories. So no pressure at all for you, really. <laughs> How do you select those venues that you recommend? Because it sounds like there's a lot of criteria to consider. Yes, so when we do our uh, venue search when we are in France, what we take into consideration is very much, because obviously all chateaux uh, tend to be beautiful from the outside. Mm. So we very much look at the inside, mm -hmm. especially the quality of the bedrooms. Um, mm. As I always say, it's not a matter of whether we don't work only with extremely luxurious or only five-star hotels. That's not what mm -hmm. we do. Uh, we have those type of venues, but what we want to make sure is that the owners look after their property very well. You know, they maintain yes. it perfectly. And <clears throat> the quality of the interiors uh, is always the thing we, we look at the most because some properties, if sometimes I've been the same family for many generations, and especially if they are more focused on the French local people who mostly want a venue to party in the evening, mm. they might not be that focused on the quality of the bedrooms, for instance. Right. So we really very much look at it. Uh, and we also make a point to work with owners who are completely transparent in their pricing and you know, have the same ethical values as us. So if we have owners who are not clear with the pricing, they have one price here, another price there, or they had commission in some cases, or we don't work with them because we, we just uh, want to make sure that the couples will have a very good experience with the owners from beginning to end. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's really refreshing because I can imagine it would be a very stressful time, especially for people who do live so far away and perhaps are coming there to see it sight unseen. Do you keep adding new venues to the list of what you can offer couples? How do you find out about them? Yes, so that's our objective. We're aiming at uh, quality more than quantity, but still it's important for us to keep adding venues to make sure we've got the broadest choice possible. Mm. And we used to, when we started, obviously it was a lot of, uh, you know, we had to make a lot of phone calls to venues and, and convince them that we, we were uh, a good platform for them to try. But now I have to say, uh, because the word of mouth works very yes. well, we do get quite a lot of requests from the owners. Right. Um, and yes, yeah, sometimes I'm quite pleased because some owners say, 
say, oh, yeah, we're part of this, you know. Um, someone told me that recently they, they, they are part of this uh, French association of chateau owners. Ah. And he was telling me, oh, I've heard of your platform through two different owners uh, who are part of the same association. Oh, brilliant. So I was quite pleased because the word of mouth now is, is working very well. And um, yeah, and I think at the end of the day, you know, I really believe in, in quality, personal service and, and ethical business. Yes. Uh, those are the values I really defend. And I think that, you know, as the years go by, I think it proves to be uh, working better and better. It's lovely that you've got that really good reputation that's invaluable i mean you can't buy that 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 has to be earned doesn't it mm-hmm. so that's really great that you've got that now tell me how do you work out what kind of venue will suit each couple cuz i know when i was a bride that i was sometimes a little bit stressed and i probably thought sometimes that i needed things that perhaps other people would say, look, perhaps you should think about doing it that way because they could see the bigger picture. But I was so driven on wanting a particular thing. Do you ever have to say, you know, I think that this is best for what your needs are, but it might be different from what they think is best for their own needs? Well, as we showcase wedding venues, we only deal with that part of the process, which is, you know, guidance about the venue. Uh, we don't really deal with the rest of the wedding planning. But I have to say there are different types of couples. There are couples right from the start, they know really clearly what they want. And maybe they will send one or two inquiries on our website for one or two different venues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are very clear, you know, they, they've looked thoroughly at the listening. They know uh, what the pricing will be. They, they know where, where they are going. And some other couples, on the other hand, I think they, they are just you know, uh, overwhelmed yes. by <laughs> what's yes. ahead and maybe they are not sure of even, you know, what they want or their budget. So in that case, I feel it's necessary to have a chat or, you know, uh, uh, an exchange of ideas uh, on emails or on the phone where I help them clarify what they want. And yeah. then when it's all, you know, clear, when, when all their requirements have been specified clearly, then it's just a matter for me or for my team to be objective in our recommendation, but that's very easy because, for instance, if they say, oh, this is our budget, we want the venue to sleep that many people, we don't want a curfew, we want it to be in this region, then uh, we say, okay, well, clearly it cannot be this venue because it's yes. three times your budget. It cannot be uh, this one because the curfew is at 11. So it's all very objective yeah. uh, recommendation. And then it's up to them once they have this list to make the trip to France to come and see the venues in the flesh and see which one they fall in love Feels with. Right. Yeah. Or if they can't, they can have a virtual tour of the venues. But um, quite often couples ask me, oh, which one do you prefer? Or <laughs> which one do you like the most? And I say that, that that's not possible see, because we all handpicked them. So this means they're all of very good standards. Yeah. But then whether you fall in love with a venue, it's a bit like a person. Nobody can explain why. So you have to go there and mm. really make this choice yeah. by yourself. Yeah, and, and for you to say, oh, I really prefer this one over that one, well, you can't say that because both of those chateaus are your clients and so you need to be able to love them equally like they're all your children, you know? 
absolutely that's very true that's a very that's very true as if they, they were all my children and i think that, that's true because i feel such a strong connection with the owners with the venues that it would never come to my mind to favor one over the other as you say no. that all my children the all venues we believe in that's yeah. why we selected them. yes so that, that's very true yes if you didn't like them you, you wouldn't have selected them so you must travel a lot around france to keep that knowledge of the venues and your list of recommendations current what's your favorite place or region i know you said that at the moment it's very popular for wedding couples or or bridal couples to want to go to provence and the south of france but what's your favorite place or region to visit in france Obviously, we go quite often to Brittany for, for family reasons. But mm. I think other than that, I I actually like, uh, with my husband and my son, to go to places I don't really know. Ah. <laughs> other than places I know. Uh, and that's great with the Chateaubé. We've got this opportunity, whilst we go and visit venues, to explore places where I have never been before. And that's always a pleasure because also it, it made me really appreciate uh, when we started creating Chateaubé that France is uh, an exceptional country for its variety of landscapes mm. and food and architecture. Mm-hmm. And you go from one area to another and it's all completely different, but it's still amazing. Mm. So this holiday, we ended up in this village that I didn't know. It's one of the plus beaux villages de France, which oh. is called Montflanquin uh, oh. in the Lord. Ouais. And I thought it was absolutely Amazing that I had come actually nearby quite often, but never stopped. And it was a, it, it really was a pleasure. And then we went uh, further south, on the southwest coast, uh, near Saint Jean de Luz. Oh, I love Saint Jean. Oh yeah, I never been to Saint Jean de Luz, and I thought it was such an amazing place by the coast, but with the Pyrenees mountains and wow. the food again. Oh. The food was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. To the fair. And Montflanquin <laughs> is beautiful too. That's just a stunning, stunning place. Yeah, Bastide town mm. with so much history. Mm. Um, so it's always a real pleasure to go and explore places I don't know in France. I must admit that's one of my favourite things is to road trip in France. So get in the car and just go. And I tend to have some accommodation in various areas booked, but sometimes there's a day or two in between where we're not quite sure where you're going to end up. I love that just free-flowing. Yeah, (laughs) and just explore. And, you know, I'll read something that's in one village that recommends there's a festival or there's a restaurant in another village somewhere else and say, okay, we're going to go there next. And, you know, I love that. It's a yes, really... and take, take, take the recommendation of the local people. Take yes. the time to listen to them. Oui. That's the best way. Oui. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> love that. Now, planning a wedding in another country, potentially the other side of the world, it must be a big mm. And often incredibly exciting, I'm sure, an incredibly exciting task. But what's some advice you would give to someone wanting to plan a wedding in France after, of course, accessing the Chateau B to find the venue? Do the venues usually assist with the wedding planning or is that a different service that couples use to help? Uh, so first, in terms of maybe recommendation for couples who want to plan a wedding in France, I would say it's very much a matter first of uh, timeline. So 
Uh, in France, uh, you have to know that the owners of venues usually won't take a booking more than two years in advance. So there's no point uh, looking, you know, three years in advance. Mm. But if <clears throat> you can start looking at venues about two years before you know, your, your wedding date with the aim uh, of going to France or securing a venue about 18 months before your wedding date. That's a perfect timeline. And then if if you book your venue first, you focus on that, then after, this is what I say to couples who are a bit overwhelmed, I say focus on the venue first, get that secure because that's the most important mm. and then everything will fall into place. Mm. So when it comes to the wedding planning, for instance, we are not doing any wedding planning ourselves, but a lot of venues will have either an in-house wedding planner mm -hmm. and if not, they will have a few recommendations of wedding planners which are used to the venue and which uh, which are worth you know hiring <clears throat> because they know the venues inside out uh, and they have proved to the owners that they are good and efficient mm -hmm. and also because they know the venue their service will often be less expensive than if you hire someone from a completely different area right so I will say venue first and then everything will fall into place. But quite often, for instance, I have couples who uh, think about the styling first and they tell me, oh, I want this type of tablescape and here are Pinterest images and what about the lighting? And I say, don't worry about that. This is really much uh, something you worry about uh, much later. With your wedding planner. With your wedding planner. And she will make sure, you know, you, you have a smooth wedding planning so that, it's pure excitement rather than yeah. rather know, than the stress. A very, a very, yeah, very stressful thing. Yes. I'm sure you've seen some wedding disasters too in your time. What are some things that you would avoid when planning a wedding in France? I think obviously make sure that the venue owners, wedding planners are reliable people. But mm. I mean, if you come to Chateaubé, for instance, you, you won't have this problem. Mm. Uh, make sure you have a very friendly relationship with them because you're going to be working with them for, you know, one year and a half, potentially two years. So you need to make sure the relation is, is perfect and very based on very clear terms right from the start. But besides that, besides uh, the obvious of having a very good team surrounding you, I would say the, the most important is not to forget uh, what's the point of the wedding mm -hmm. because the wedding, uh, and for me that's why it's so, so important, so precious, it's probably one of the unique opportunities in life to uh, gather around you all the people you love, all your family, people from different backgrounds, from different walks of life, and they will all be there for you celebrating. So I would say don't lose sight of what truly matters. And your wedding is very much a celebration of love and, and friendship and togetherness. And don't get too stressed about details. You know, if one bouquet is not exactly what you wanted, at the end, you need to enjoy the day and make sure you don't forget what truly matters. Oh, I think that's lovely advice. Yes, because sometimes you can become so caught up in the actual details mm. of the event that you forget why you're actually there. Mm. 
Yeah. That's true. And again, I think that's also one of the good things with a wedding in France is that it gives you several days mm-hmm. to kind of uh, make the most of your friends and family. So if you do that over three days, you're sure that uh, at some point anyway, you will really be in the present moment yes. and sorrowfully enjoying the magic of this gathering. While sometimes, you know, if you just do that over an evening, it goes so fast that uh, after you're like, oh, absolutely. maybe I didn't enjoy it as much as I should have. <laughs> yes. Oh, look, I can absolutely say that that's what happens. That's what happened with Paul and I. It was so fast. But, you know, I think a, a wedding in France where you do have all of those days, then you get to connect with every every single person that comes to your wedding because they're all obviously precious to you or they wouldn't be coming. So that's really, really good advice. I love that. Maybe you should consider a vow renewal for you. Oh, actually, now you're talking. I think that, yes, we might be coming to see you to do that in a few years' time. That's a great idea. I'll be suggesting that to my husband. Now, there are three questions that I ask in almost every episode of the Lulabelle's Francophiles podcast. Can you describe for me... What is your perfect French day? I think for me, a perfect French day, a perfect day in France would be a day where I take the time. Um, But I think France is is a very good place uh, when you're on holiday anyway to take time. It's a a very good place for the slow living. Mm. Uh, We talk a lot about it these days. But I I did realize in the recent years that in France, we spend a lot of time at the table. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I go to see my family, it seems that sometimes we're at the table uh, for hours and hours and we go to bed very late because we we finish the dinner uh, quite late. And and I think people have this idea that French people spend a lot of time at the table having food because uh, they think we kind of binge on food. Yes. (laughs) But I think it's not that, or it's not just that anyway. It's also because we're really taking the time uh, to speak with the others, to maybe, you know, there's the apéro and then we talk and then we just take the time to properly catch up and listen. And I think this is for me a French day. It's uh, it's what I associate to my holidays in France. You take the time, you don't rush, uh, you make the most of the present. Oh, goodness, I feel like I've just been washed over with a beautiful calmness hearing you talk about that in that way. That's really, really special. I've never had someone say just a day where you experience slow living. That's It is very French. Mm. <laughs> thank you, thank you. It's true, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's also what makes people happy. Uh, it's to kind of, because we, we all live such crazy lives this day, but sometimes when you're just like, you know, just take the time and you know, nobody's waiting for you to be here or there and you just have, like, yeah. time to take the time. Time to, time to take the time. Yeah, and also time to connect properly with the people yeah. that are around you. So important. <laughs> but I think you're it's right. So we do rush a lot and we don't we don't take that time enough. <laughs> mm. I sometimes feel like I live more slowly when I'm in France, but, I don't really because I'm trying to pack in everything I want to see into a short amount of time. Of course, yeah, 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 yeah. So when I get to a spot and I stop for a number of days to just explore that little region, 
that's when all of a sudden the layers of stress start to drop off and you start to really immerse yourself in that little space or that little area, that region. And I start to get an inkling of what that slow life is probably like. But it does take a while and it doesn't happen for us as tourists very much. I suppose, uh, yeah, I see what you mean. But I have to say, when we went to Pay Basque this time, uh, we were supposed to stay three days and we actually ended up staying five days. And I think that's because uh, sometimes it's just a matter of circumstances. Yes. Isn't it? You feel you're in the right place. We actually didn't know. Uh, I, I didn't have any families there. But we were staying in this Airbnb uh, at some local people's house. And it was just the circumstances which were right. The place yeah. where we were, uh, the weather, the, everything, you know, was coming together to create this moment where suddenly it felt we could relax and and be in the moment. Sometimes just a matter of circumstances. Yeah, yeah. What's your fave French food to order or cook when you go back to Brittany or perhaps that you might cook at home in the Channel Islands? I have a bit of a soft spot. Uh, you won't be surprised because I mentioned Brittany, but I love crepe and galette. Oh, I love a galette. Wait, wait, wait. It kind mm. of brings back memories of holidays when I was young. So I do love, you know, when we go back to Brittany, uh, one of the first things we do is book to the local creperie. <laughs> yeah. But I think probably we actually... Uh, don't go to that many restaurants when we are in France. And I do enjoy very much the the homemade French food, either cooked by my family or, or by ourselves, go to the market. Mm. You know, we buy direct product directly from the producers. Mm. And that's for me is a massive difference with, because in Guernsey, we don't have a market. Mm -hmm. So going to, you know, a place where you can find a uh, proper product, uh, cheese, vegetable, uh, fruit, which are good, uh, which are of really high quality. This is, uh, this is what I appreciate the most in France. And I try to bring back those, those uh, products back in Guernsey. And the, the thing I also bring back to Guernsey from France are the coquillettes. I don't know if you know the oh, coquillettes. The coquillettes. It's a type of pasta. <laughs> uh, again, it's probably all about my childhood, but it's, it's a very small it's a bit like a little tube, a bit curved, uh, very small. And my son also loves them, so we cannot find them here. So I always oh. bring back a massive bag of coquillette pasta. Oh, gorgeous. <laughs> but the crepes and the galette in Brittany, I can imagine that would be something you'd have a hankering for every time you go back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How often do you get back? Well, I go back quite often. When my son was younger, I would spend about like four months a year in, in France. But now it's a bit less uh, because of the school holiday. But still probably at least two months and a half altogether. Fabulous. Uh, oh. All combined. Now, do you listen to French music at home? I do listen uh, to French music, but because I'm not very aware of what's happening now on the musical scene in, in France, mm. I usually tend to go back to the classics. Oh, wonderful. So, yeah. well, do you have a favourite French song or French music <laughs> artist that you'd like to share with the listeners and that we can add well, to our Lulabelle's Francophile Spotify playlist? 
In my childhood, and even as a teenager, huh, I used to love, uh, you know, those classic uh, French singer on, or bands from the 60s. Mm-hmm. So you you know Joe Dassin, who sang, uh, obviously, Champs-Élysées, right. or Sylvie Vartan, or Sheila. But what I wanted to share with you, because I, I didn't know if you knew this one, was uh, Nino Ferrer, which is another singer from the 60s. And he, I was thinking of the song Mirza, do you know this one, Lou? No, I don't know this one. It's a classic from the 60s. And he was quite, he was a bit of a um, comedy singer, if I can say. Oh, yeah. uh, a genius, I think. But all his lyrics are a bit crazy. Oh, <laughs> uh, So Mirza is about a dog that is looking for his dog Mirza and he cannot find it. And he's gradually becoming a bit uh, crazy as he's looking for the dog. But it's a classic piece of French music. Every French person will know Mirza. Uh, so, yes, I, I thought I would share this one. This oh, one. fabulous. Mirza by Nino Ferrer. Yeah, he's got, uh, he's got, he's got several uh, famous ones, but he's got another famous one that every French person will know. It's called Les Cornichons. Oh, Les Cornichons. I might put that one on there as well. It's about it's about a picnic and he keeps talking about les cornichons. Um, it I think it's, it's brilliant. You know, it's <laughs> the, 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 the music is also fantastic, uh, but yeah, it's it's a bit crazy. It was a bit of a, a bit of humor, extravagant one. <laughs> wait, wait. Oh, that's awesome. Well, no, I don't have uh, any Nino Ferrer, so that's great. We've now got a new one, a new one on there. So brilliant. <laughs> I will add that to the Labelle's Spotify playlist and then our listeners can go there and download the playlist for themselves and listen to some French music from all the recommendations from the guests and your one will be the latest one on it. So brilliant. Merci beaucoup for spending this time with us today, Ingrid, and sharing your wonderful Chateau B with us all. It's been just lovely. Merci beaucoup, Louis. It was a, really an absolute pleasure. Yes. Alors, C'est tout et c'est la fin aujourd'hui. That is all for another Little Bells Francophiles episode. I hope you're enjoying being transported to France via our podcast chats with some brilliant guests and their French stories. To be notified when new episodes are released, subscribe on your favourite podcast platform or follow Little Bells Francophiles on Insta. That's where you will also find lots of my personal French photos as well as some from our Little Bells Francophiles guests. You can now also subscribe to my YouTube channel, The Francophile Fix, where I post little movies and clips to keep your Frenchy vibes going. For all of the links from today's chat, including the links for Ingrid's business, The Shadow Bee, as well as her fave music and a recette for, I think today we'll do a galette. That would be a lovely recipe for people to be able to cook. You can head to the Little Bells Francophiles website to blog post number 76. My website link is in the podcast show notes for today's episode. And then come and join me next time on the Little Bells Francophiles and together we can stay connected to one of our fave destinations, France. Au revoir et merci encore, Ingrid. Merci beaucoup, Lou. À très bientôt. Au revoir de moi, Louise Pichard. Bonne journée et à bientôt, mes amis.